first time I met you, I don't know if you remember, we were in West Virginia at the Heritage Police Festival. Um, mm-hmm. You were kind enough to spend some time with me, and you brought along Robert Jr. Lockwood with you. Tell me about that relationship, because like, it was a surprise to me that he came along with you um, and just sat in on the interview, didn't really say anything, but I was nervous about it, <laughs> just having his presence. Tell me about your relationship with him. Well, actually, uh, that's the first time I really spent any time with him. Uh, we'd done some other festivals, but but it was really cool how it happened. I was just sitting in the lobby and, and, and spotted him, and we started talking, and then and you came by, and the next thing I know, he's going with us into my interview, you know, oh, I think which it- I, I thought was just the coolest thing. I couldn't believe he did that. And... Um, all of a sudden, I felt like I, you know, I had family, you know, with me, and uh, he was such a sweet guy, you know, and had so much history. And I, yeah, I remember that very well because of that. And um, I never quite had an experience like that where, you know, in that uh, it just happened spontaneously. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a true believer in how one, one thing can lead to another if you let it and just open up to the moment. And those serendipitous types of uh, things crop up like that, and that was a classic example. Um, and all the history involved with him and his ties—I mean, what, what an incredible thing! And um, the next thing I know, we're in this room, <laughs> and I remember—but it was—he's still old school, and I knew this was going to happen. And you—you you asked him about um, could you interview him, and he said, "Well." How much are you going to pay me? You know, it's like so school, man. You don't give anything away. That was the one regret. I just, as a philo- as a thing that I, I just don't do that because I think it's unfair to the people I don't pay. But that's the one time where I wish I, I would have yeah, paid him money. Because I, you know, kind of the one that got away. Yeah, yeah no, I, and I wouldn't have told anybody. Well, I mean, it's our secret. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was, um, I mean, like you said, what history and, and, and what he did for the blues is phenomenal. Um, I want to keep with that theme, and I know that um, you had a relationship with B.B. King. Um, tell me about that. Tell me about, I guess, B.B. King and others that in the blues, because I don't automatically think of Sonny Landreth as a blues player. I know that blues is a big part of what you do, mm. but it's not like I just think of you only as a blues guitarist. I think of you as so much more. Well, but you have a close that, connection yeah. to the blues. And Absolutely, you know that's at the core of it for me, and um, and in particular with BB, uh, because uh, it seems like my whole life was revolving around him and these concentric circles. And uh, I met him when I was 16 years old, and uh, he played in a, a local club. This was back in '68, I think it was, and um, he. Um, he played in this little place called Leo's Rendezvous in New Iberia, Louisiana, which is about 20 minutes from Lafayette. And I went there with a friend of mine, and it wasn't a whole lot of people. A little tiny dive, you know. And um, But he played like he was playing for thousands. And that's the first time I ever heard him live. And I had the records at that point, but I, I was not prepared for that. I mean, it was just incredible. And... Um, I, the sound of that and his and also his performance everything about him that we know and love but uh anyway he took a break which was unusual for those cats and so i went up to the bar 
boldly I found a moment of courage and uh, he just was really gracious and he was like that from the moment on through the rest of all these years and um, there were all these different stories uh, I opened up for him with a band in, in New Orleans uh, in the 70s and Lucille got temporary temporarily stolen mm-hmm. it was the prototype for Gibson for his guitar so uh, he invited me back and they asked to borrow my guitar for his guitar player and then he borrowed his guitar players acts because it was similar to his but he was he had the blues man he was back there with these three gals and he had a cocktail he was drinking and he was bummed out he was really bummed out and uh but by the time the end of his set uh before the end of the set the cops and the state troopers and all that come in there they they got lucille back from this crazy guy on acid who stole it and and brought the guitar right during the set and i mean it was just it was an it was an amazing moment yeah, and it was his birthday that week. So there are all these stories like that over the years. And um, um, we went, uh, I was working with John Hyatt and the Goners, and we did one of uh, BB's blues caravans that go on for months, mm-hmm. literally. And it was us, Tommy Castro, Buddy Guy, and B and his band. And we did that. Trying to keep up with him was, was a, a real challenge. Uh, and that took us up into 9-11, actually. We were in New York City when all that happened. And um, so, you know, and it culminating with uh, Eric Clapton's Crossroads events. He, he was at all of those. And uh, that was my last moment on stage with him. That's quite a history, though. That is, you and know. I think from 16 and having this kid with his records going out. Yeah, and, you know, I never really, you know, he, he probably never remembered my name. Sometimes he would. I mean, he met so many people, yeah, yeah. but I was never one like Stevie and um, Jimmy and all those other cats who were around him a lot. Uh, and I was always like, you'd see me then it'd be years, and i come back around, <laughs> like, like, you know, like a comet coming right. back around or something. And uh, so, but he had such a profound effect on me. He really set the bar of excellence and, and what was could be what's possible and um and in my mind he took the he just took it with him that whole that that conversation between he and his guitar lucille and that call and response nobody did it like him Mm -hmm. and um that's that's something that we were all very fortunate to to experience and there's so there's a so much material there's a wealth of material um you can dig up so that's that's a blessing in itself. I consider you to be one of the greatest slide players. As a slide player, what do you get out of listening to BB King? Like, what what would have been an influence, or what? How has he impacted your music in the way you play? Tone and phrasing, and um, he see he had his cousin uh, Buca White, and he, B loved the sound of the slide guitar vibrato. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't play slide, is the way he put it. But so he he did what he said was his best to imitate the vibrato, which he came up with this incredible trim. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just like a hummingbird it was so fast, nobody could do that but him. And it, and and that was all part of the vocal quality of achieving a vocal quality with your instrument that all the blues cats and and my jazz heroes too, they they all 
um, aspired to do that. And he, like no one else, accomplished that. And it's such a unique uh, sound. And, um, and, and he really got into his trademark thing, and, and his critics were pretty hard on him for that. But, but what I, I, I heard him so, I mean, I heard him more than anyone, by far, you know, way more gigs. I used to follow him around as much as I could in the South and listen to him, and I did all those shows. And I would go out and hear him every night. And what was really interesting, it was more about a variation on the theme with him, the level of creativity. He kind of had the same thing he did, but then he would change it up in subtle ways that would just go, wow, you know, how did he do that? And, um, it, was, it was like a, opening a book and there's all, these, there's all this detailed, rich information if you, if you pay attention right. to what's going on in between the lines. And I love that about him. And so I just tried to get as close to him as I could and hope some of that cosmic dust rubbed off on me and interpret it through sly guitar, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. I mean, that he was influenced by slide mm -hmm. early on and took his thing and created it. Um, and then for me, it, you know, it hopefully gleamed some of that and... Uh, and try to interpret it in my own way. So if I'm not mistaken, you first got into playing guitar because of Scotty Moore. Right. How did the slide become your thing? Like when did the slide, um, when did you want to become a slide player? I know blues had something to do with it, but was there a moment where you thought, this is something I need to pursue? It did, not in the beginning because I didn't even know what it was. I'd read about it and realized I was listening to some of these recordings, the old Delta Blues recordings. And that's how I got into it. Um, and But once I began to focus on it and actually try to do it, I mean, I, I could, no one could have said, hey, you're going to be pretty good at this one day. I mean, it was awful. I mean, it was absolutely <laughs> dreadful for me and my family and our pets, anyone who got near it. Um, so uh, that, that would have been a shocker if I could have foreseen that to come. But... But it just, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I kept coming back to it. And, um, and at one point I realized I, I did have an affinity for it. But I think in some ways it was probably because I'd started out on trumpet. Um, and again, recognizing many of the qualities about that um, phrasing and tone, like we were just talking, and, um, and that vocal quality. Because the slide guitar, and, and this is what drew me in with those old recordings, uh, um, had a very lyrical quality about mm -hmm. it. And the fact that I came at the guitar in a different with a different perspective as a wind instrument player, the slide really lent itself to that. As a wind instrument player, you have to take a breath and complete a phrase, mm -hmm. in, in particular with improvisation or, or anything to script it out. And uh, so I took part of that with me. And um, I don't know, at one point, though, it, later on I began to realize I was getting along with it. And uh, when the uh, discoveries in, began to happen and I would find new ideas, new techniques, um, that was really exciting. And that's when I knew it, I was really on my path. It would be obvious to think that Elmore James would have been... An influence? Can I oh, ask sure. you who the other ones would have been? <clears throat> well, some of the early guys, there was a there was a cat in um, 
in Mississippi, you know, this would have been probably um, early 70, like 70 probably. Um, son Thomas, he was in the Jackson area, and I heard some things of his on local news and whatnot. Uh, but the sound of that vibrato really caught my ear, he had. Um, but, um, you know, all any the Delta Cats, um, and, and in particular the finger style, um, with Robert Johnson having such a powerful voice, but also the guitar. And again, that's that, that tradition of call and response. Mm-hmm. He was a big one for me. And the Electric Cats. And I, I saw Dwayne Allman. He played in Lafayette in 1970. So when you saw Dwayne Allman, was that, I mean, was he as great as what one would imagine him to be? Absolutely. In fact, I had more respect for him after the gig because he came out and he played, um, he only played slide on like maybe three or four songs. And this would have been with the Allman Brothers? Yeah, right, yeah. exactly, yeah. So 1970, I forget what part of the year, but um, and I had the two albums at the, that point. And I've been hearing about him. Friends would go uh, down to see him at the warehouse, was the, the big venue in, in New Orleans, and um, everybody played there. They came to there, you name it. And I've been hearing about him through friends that would go and, and say, you got to hear these, this band. And uh, finally put out that first album, and I heard and I said, wow, that's really cool, but it didn't quite get me to the second listen. Those are the ones that really slay you, you know, you know they, oh, there's a whole lot more here than I realized. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, so that was, a, that was a big one. He, made, he really influenced me to want to go home and just crank it up. I mean, I was already, had my thing t- enough that I was developing and, and pretty solid with it. And, but I was still a bit um, polite, I think, in a way. And, and he kind of brought me back to that blues tradition and psh, cranked up that Marshall, you know. And that made me want to do that. So, oh, yeah, okay, I need to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever play Slate, Statesboro Blues? Well, did, I, did he play it that no, night? did you ever play it? Uh, yeah, I just I couldn't resist. But I, also early on with Dwayne, I realized that for me to stay on my path, and to develop my own sound, then I couldn't copy him. So it really, it literally became um, um, a, th- a thing where I, I had to consciously try to not listen to, or not not let it right, seep right. in. Of course, you can't. I mean, every now and then you know, you know, okay, that was the end. That was yeah. I was doing. It'll come to me, but that's okay. I mean, you, you should honor your influences anyway, and that's a big part of what the last album uh, that I made is about. So, but it's the trick is to not let it um, take over to the point that you're imitating. Right. But, but how did you know about creating your own sound? Because you obviously have your own sound. You have your own way of playing, and I, I don't know if many people play the slide guitar the way you do, and um, not being a musician, I can't. I can't articulate what that is, but um, something about fretting your fingers while on the other side of the yeah, slide. Yeah, with the slide. No. Well, the, the technical part of it, yeah. And but I think to answer the bigger question, I, I really I only knew that I wanted to have my own sound. I, I had a keen um, sense of that even when I was young. I didn't know how. I just set about. I just kept at it. And um, and again, I, th- I think discovering things you get excited Mm -hmm. and that excitement um sort of 
builds a bridge to the next thing you learn and it's wow there's that and so you keep going and and on and on and um and I think it just at one point I realized I was making uh, a lot of headway and I knew the things that I shouldn't do and in some respects it's what you don't do and uh trying to use that as a sort of in comparison and you have an understanding of that and then you try to find your way in a different direction and it's just instinct is a big part of it I, I, music has always occurred to me like I sit down with a guitar I can't really explain it it just it comes to me um, lyrics have been far more challenging um, but I love lyrics I love you know that's huge if not the most important thing but that's that's a much slower process for me, whereas music, it's almost like I have to turn it off. And I think part of that was developing my own sound. I just kind of slowly and surely was building my way to that and then had insights that... And, and would you, was there a point where you thought, okay, I finally have my own sound, like you knew? Yeah, I, I, yeah but you, you never, <laughs> to presuppose there's a perfection is to close the door on creativity in itself because there's no end to it. That's the one thing you have to accept early on and and it's really helpful Um, because then you're not, it's not, um, you're not attaching limitations and as long as you're open to that and open to how things can lead one to another and how it's all connected in a way and it's the surprises, the things you can't really expect or map out as much as you try to in a career mm-hmm. playing music for a living, there are all these surprises that happen and you have to jump on that and recognize it. And the same thing with making music. Um, and um, I, I think that's probably the singular biggest lesson that I, that I hit on uh, and throughout all the years and it, it's certainly served me well and I know it has many others. I mean, I presume, we were talking about classical music a few minutes ago, but I presume that you probably had that intensity of learning when you were young to become as yeah. good as you were and probably spent yeah. many, many hours playing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's you have to woodshed, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. Uh, that's, that's all part of the process. Um, and actually, again, because of trumpet and playing in school uh, band, uh, I was exposed to classical and jazz. And so there's a regimen there that's demanded. And it, it, I mean, I learned so much about dynamics. I uh, learned to read. Uh, I never did so great at it on guitar, but um, I was able to take that that I learned from the classical and the jazz world just in the small way that I had been exposed to it. Um, and there was a great jazz player in my hometown, Bobby Brooks, who was friends with Wes Montgomery. He turned me on to Wes Montgomery, and I'm that blew my mind. So I had all these heroes, you know. Um, but that it's all part of the process, and, and that regimen, that discipline did carry over into guitar for me. And, and it, does that still exist? I mean, do you still work on getting better? Oh, yeah. I just know into it. But I, I just don't. Now life has so many more distractions than when I was 20 years old and had nothing else to do, <laughs> apparently, but sit around and play all day, you know. And... Um, I, I lament that at times, but uh, things are the way they are, and um, 
the older you get, there are more responsibilities that come into play. And, and you just, um, you know, I have to fight for the time more now. In between the traveling, the schedule right. of traveling is just, um, I mean, I still love playing the gigs, but I feel the bumps a lot more now than I used to in the road and, and uh, the wear and tear of traveling. So you have to learn to balance all that out and, and find, find that time and that space. But, yeah, I mean, that's still, it, it's exciting. It's exciting to sit down and plug in and get fired up about an idea or a riff that next thing you know turns into a song. I wonder, I mean, everybody talks about you being a great slide player, which you are, but I, you know, part of the reason why I'm such a fan of yours is um, the music, the songs that you create. I don't know if you get that credit, whereas people say, yeah, incredible slide player, but... You know, when I think of some of the songs that you've done, and, and that's what I think of, yeah, your slide is there, but it's more than just you wanking on a great solo. It's it's the, the actual songwriting. How do you see yourself? I mean, do you consider yourself slide player and then songwriter, singer, or do you look at it that way? It's, it's all of the above, and in, in fact, uh, the songwriting is the most important part. But you're right, and, and I knew that too. I, I, I knew that was coming early on because people, the guitar just takes over. It's more powerful, it's more immediate, it's uh, more impressive in the, you know, in the very first experience of it for people. And uh, maybe that's why I turned it up after hearing <laughs> Dwayne. <laughs> so he's doing better than me. So I turned it up and uh, they just can't help notice that first. But with time, I, I hope that you know people would um, pierce that layer and, and get the songs and in fact that's what's happening with all the fans god love them i mean they show up these gigs and they know all the songs um and, and i remember the first time that happened i think it was in boston uh, a little neighborhood bar and um it was 1992 and i walked out on stage and there's all this applause, and I said, wow, that's nice, you know. We've been knocking on doors for so many years, and um, and then began to play the songs, and people were singing all the songs. And I said, wow, <laughs> well, that's a new experience. And um, so that's most encouraging, that people do get it with time. But, but that's cool, that's okay. Yeah. But I mean, without the song, you yeah, can be the, you can have the greatest solo, but if it doesn't have any substance, to well, it. yeah, that's that's the thing, and that's pretty much you know what I preach at these workshops to these kids and all. You know, your kid's great. You can lock yourself in a room and to work on technique and like the woodshedding we just mentioned. That's a necessary part of it, but there's a goal here, and that's to accomplish uh, playing music. And to play music, you've got to learn music and you've got to create music and and you have to learn to make the song it's all about the song in fact it's all about the lyrics of the song if, if there's a vocal involved and a lot of these sessions that's what I always want to do is get the lyrics to the song first you know what's the song about where are we going with this what can I if anything can I add to this to make it uh, enhance that um, and that's a very different mindset than as you mentioned, wanking you know, <laughs> on guitar solos. There's plenty of that to be had. Um, I mean, I'm a guitar geek, and as much as the next, you know, maybe more than some, but 
But that's the thing. Yeah, always keep that in mind. That's part of the goal. Anything that I'm doing, any ideas I come up with, sounds, textures, uh, recording techniques, whatever. It's all about where can I place this and put this together to make make music out of it. Um, I know you have to go. So the final question. I know you've had this amazing career. Tell me about a highlight as a guitar player. What what that was and. Well, I, I have been very blessed, and, and I count those blessings. I take nothing for granted, um, and there have been a lot of them. But I have to say, um, at Eric Clapton's Crossroads, when he came out and sat in with us, that was a big one for me. Uh-huh. And uh, everything was falling into place. You know, he's such a great guy. He, he was the... the ultimate host and you just and you're so welcome and it takes such great care of you that the next thing I know we're in uh, we're playing my you know my set my band and then Eric's on stage and you know this oh wow this is really cool this is exciting and, and then he's then we get to the part in the song where he takes the solo and that's when it really hit me man he came out he came he came out he hit the ground running he came uh, fired up to play and and I just, I'm just, then it all hit me. You know, wow, this is, I could have never, ever, in my wildest imagination, imagined that when I was, you know, a teenager or a kid, first starting out and discovering his music mm-hmm. and, and getting so inspired by his records and his recordings, his songs, his playing, his voice, everything. And uh, the fact that all those other great, you know, guitarists, musicians were on the bill many of them other heroes of mine and it's it's a truly great uh, affirmation no you definitely deserve to be there thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it thank you